resurrection and knowing that he lives that gives us the strength to face another day because he lives we can all face tomorrow because he lives we have courage to stand up and face the enemy once again in this day god bless you this morning god bless you musicians thank you for coming out and serving and providing such wonderful music and wonderful worship this morning we're going to turn straight to the word and we're going to be turning to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'm so glad to know that he lives. And I'm so glad to know that when I look around at an evil, dark, and dying world, that my Redeemer lives. It's such a wonderful thought. It's so comforting. And it's a reality to those that know him. Hallelujah. Let's read here from Ephesians 6 in the 10th verse. Extremely familiar scripture, one that most of us could quote by heart. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It tells us immediately right off the bat where our strength comes from. We're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many knows that that's where we're at today? We are in the evil day. And in order to withstand, we must take the instruction given here in the word. And having done all to stand... Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about you with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, how we love you. And Lord, how we thank you for the opportunity that we have today, Lord, to open your word and to read it. Truly, Lord Jesus, if we were to dismiss now after singing the songs of Zion and reading the word of God, we could say we've been blessed, Lord. But Lord, I'm asking you now to come, Lord, and anoint these lips. Lord, anoint me to speak, Lord, words of encouragement, Lord, to your people. Lord, I have nothing that I can say, Father, but once again, if you'll come and anoint, Lord. Lord, all the study and all the time, Lord God, put in, none of it would mean anything if the words just came across unanointed, Father. Lord, but if you'll come now and anoint the words, anoint these lips, Father, and may it fall on anointed hearts that are gathered to receive. Lord, I pray you'll bless these times together now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats. Bless you this morning, wherever you may be gathered, gathered in your, in your living room or your bedrooms or wherever it is that you're streaming the service this morning. I pray that God will richly bless you and I pray that his presence will move down wherever you are. You know, in times like this, we can greatly appreciate the scripture that tells us where two or three are gathered in my name. I'll be there in the midst of them. It's times like this that we can hold to that. Many times we've taken for granted, Lord, what we have here and what people around this country have and the freedom of worship and the churches and, and the way we've been able to gather. And it seems like many times, sometimes maybe we've laid out when we shouldn't have. And maybe you didn't come to the house of God when you had opportunity. And I just pray that during this time, if, if nothing else, 
that we'll draw closer to the Lord and recognize and appreciate what we have every time these church doors open. I so look forward to, to the opportunity to gather back together with believers of like precious faith and once again worship our Lord and hear the word and surrounded by my brothers and sisters. I'm looking forward to it. Leading up to today, we've had three wonderful services. We've had more than that, but just specifically, Brother Timothy, Wednesday a week ago, preaching on being certain in uncertain times. And then last Sunday, Brother Tim preached a masterpiece on, on, on its Easter, on the Easter time. And then Wednesday night, Brother Joe did an awesome job dealing with expectations and what we get, what we expect, and how God will meet us every time. And, you know, I don't like the situation that we're in right now. I, 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 don't, I, I don't like being quarantined the way we are. I'm so looking forward to where we can get back to some sort of normal, including the ability to gather together. I miss it so much. I miss so much gathering together. Sometimes you don't realize how much you enjoy people till you can't, till you can't see them anymore. But I believe that we've done the best that we can with what's been dealt us. Um, the services have been tremendous. I, we've continued to have a, a, as much of a normal service as we possibly could, and it's really meant the world to me. It has strengthened me and helped me during these times to be able to tune in and, and see a service, be, being carrying on carrying on in the service of the Lord regardless of what's going on in the world around us. And that's what we do as Christians, is we carry on regardless of the circumstances that surround us. Truly, we are standing, as, as Brother Timothy talked about, in uncertain and troublesome times this morning. But I only say uncertain in the sense of earthly functionality. I only mean uncertain in the sense of maybe political decisions and political deceit or maybe job security and 401ks. Uncertain in the sense that governments are corrupt. Uncertain in a sense that when, when it comes to things pertaining to this world and to the day-to-day -day function of this world, things are uncertain. One little bitty virus has turned our daily earthly lives completely upside down. And if my hope was in my job, if my hope was in my 401k or my hope was in social security, if my hope was in any sort of principality or government, I would be so miserable right now. I would be so shaken and so upset and not knowing where to turn. And not even so much at the fact that how bad things are at the moment. But upset at the fact that a virus that can be killed by washing your hands has in the moment's time like that taken what man has built over generations and hundreds of years and turned it on its ear in a matter of minutes. It seems like just the other day everything was normal. We were gathering here. Me and my family were on a vacation. And then next thing you know, we haven't seen people for a month. Next thing you know, we're told where we can go, what time we have to be home. Everything was turned on its ear by a little bitty virus. And if that can do that, then and I'd look around and I'd say, if that can do that to the world, then the things I have hope in, then what about when something worse than that comes? And make no mistake about it, things much worse than this are going to be coming upon the earth. Make no mistake that those things are coming, but make no mistake this morning that I'm not shaken and I'm not worried because my hope is not in my job. My hope is not in my 401k. My hope is not on the day-to-day -day functionality of this world, but my hope is placed on things eternal. My hope is placed in Jesus Christ. My hope is placed on something that can never fail, that can never be shaken, that will never return unto him void. My hope is on things eternal this morning. I'm so thankful that my focus, I'm so thankful that your focus as believers of this message is not on the day-to-day, -day, but our focus is on the eternal. 
that our world, that the thing that we're striving for, the thing that we're living for, it has not been upset one little bit by the things going on in the world around me. <coughs> Excuse me. I know just a few weeks ago, before this ever set in, before this ever started, I was searching for a, build, for a city whose builder and maker was God. I was walking by faith towards a rapture that had been promised to me by God. I was overcoming the devil by the power of the Holy Spirit. I was standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with him each and every day and overcoming. And now we've been in this shutdown for however many weeks around the world. And I can announce to you today that none of those things have changed. None of those things have been turned on their head like the things of the world has. I'm still walking by faith. I'm still overcoming. I'm still facing the enemy. I'm still towing the line. And I'm still walking by faith towards a rapture that I know is coming. Amen. Glory to God. I'm so thankful that we have a place to run to in times like this. We have a God who is a strong tower. We have a rock like none other. We have a place to stand that's sure, a foundation that's sure, and there's no place I'd rather be. I'm in his arms. I feel protected. I feel safe and secure. That's how I feel this morning when the world is falling apart. I feel safe. I feel protected, and I feel so thankful. I'm so thankful this morning for my church body. I'm so thankful for a restored word. And this morning, I say we have to hold the line. Amen. Hold the line. That's our title this morning. Looking at this, I want to open up with a little quote. And it relates to this time for sure. The time maybe we would refer to as a quarantine or the coronavirus or whatever. But looking at it in a broader sense. Not just the time of this virus because the world was in pretty bad shape before the virus. But looking at it in a sense of Laodicea, what we're facing as a people on this day. Brother Branham said, what's the matter with people today who claim to be Christians? Hopefully that's all of us. What's the matter with people today who claim to be Christians? Why are we disturbed in an hour like this? Let's not be disturbed. Let's be soldiers. My, I love that quote when I read it. He said, let's not be disturbed. Let's not be disturbed. And I say, if this little thing has you shook up, maybe you need to check up. Because he says, let's not be disturbed. Let's be soldiers. Let's stand fast. Let's stand prepared. Let's stand ready for battle. We've been trained for moments like this. We've been trained for moments worse than this. We've been trained to stand when all hell is against us. Let's not be shaken this morning. Let's not be disturbed this morning. But let's be soldiers this morning. See, we're called to be soldiers, and as soldiers, we are to fight. But we're not to fight the wars of this earth. We're not to get entangled in the snares of this earth and fight about this and fight about this and fight on social media and worry about this. That's not the fighting we're called to do. Second right. Timothy 2 and 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. We are to be soldiers this morning. And in the course of being a soldier, we are supposed to act in a way and conduct ourselves in a way that pleases the one that has chose you to be a soldier. To stand with your, with your shoulders back, to show bravery, to stand there and stand on the word and say, I will not be moved, I will not be shaken, but I'm going to hold the line this morning regardless of what comes my way. I 
As I said a while ago, we knew the world was messed up long before COVID-19. We knew it was messed up long before this thing was unleashed upon the world. And, and, and we, we knew that we were in a battle before this ever showed up. And if we aren't careful, we can allow this to distract us from what is really going on. You say, oh, oh, he, he's talking about conspiracy theories. No, no, we're not talking about conspiracies. When I say what's really going on, yeah, I am. I'm talking about the devil's conspiracy theory. Because what he'll do is he'll use something like this to get your focus off your one true goal. He'll use a situation like this to turn your attention away from the fact that you are called to be completely victorious. You are called to overcome the devil. You are called to win in this last day. We can't be sitting around living and breathing and eating the COVID-19 news cycle constantly. To where we're wondering, is this even real? Is that real? Is this a conspiracy? What did Trump say today? And who did he upset today? And I wonder if they're really in your mind. And, that's, and it begins to consume you. And it begins to consume you. And all the while, while you're focused on that, the devil has walked in your front door. And he's beginning to rob promises from you. And he's beginning to steal your joy and begin to steal your peace and begin to take things from you because you're in the middle of a battle. And in the middle of the battle, you've taken your eyes off the enemy and you've been caught up and ensnared in a circumstance of the world that you can do nothing nothing about. Your worry will not help. Your fear will not help. Just use some common sense and keep your eye on the enemy and keep fighting the one you're called to fight. Get your attention back where it's supposed to be at this morning. We got to turn our eyes this morning back to the truth. Turn our eyes this morning back to the message, back to the task at hand and begin to focus once more on Lord, what am I called for? Turn your focus this morning away from what's going on in the world and turn it back and say, Lord, what is it that I'm called for? What is my purpose? Lord, what do you want me to do today? I want you to spend all your day reading Fox News and getting on Facebook to read the death tolls in your parish. No, that's not it at all. Turn your eyes away from that. Turn your eyes away from the distractions today, Peter, from the winds and the waves, and get your eyes back on Jesus, the one that called you to walk on the water in the first place, the one who called your name in the first place. Listen, he called your name. He'll take care of you. Quit worrying about this and worrying about that and focus back on the word today. Focus back on your calling today. Focus on I'm here to stand in Laodicea. The fact remains today that I am not at war with COVID-19. The fact remains today that I am at war with the devil. We are on the front lines of this last battle. We are on the very front line. We're not sitting in the back somewhere. This is it. We're in the trenches. We're on the front line. And it's not just any battle. It's not some little battle. It's not just some skirmish. This is the last battle. When you think about it from the beginning of creation till now, since the fall, there's been battle after battle after battle. And church, we've reached the last battle. We've reached the one that we cannot surrender in. We cannot retreat in. Listen, I know there's no retreat, but just speaking in, in military terms, there's times where you might would back up and regroup and then come again. But in the last battle, there is no backing up because the one who backs up from the last battle, there's not another battle to come. There's not another attack to come. This is it. This is the final battle. You must stand. You must fight. You must win. You cannot retreat. Retreat is not an option. We have reached the final battle. It's a battle for souls. It's a battle for your home. It's a battle for your family. 
It's a battle for the land that has been opened up and given to us. There's a homeland opened up. We're the people of the book, a people of the land. But now there's a battle going on for it. There's a war going on for it. And I say get your attention on that this morning. Anchor down, dig in your heels, and get ready to fight. It's a battle that we must give our everything in order to be victorious. You will not win in this battle with a half-hearted effort. You will not overcome Laodicea as a lukewarm Christian. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure I want you in my foxhole if you're a lukewarm Christian. You in the middle of the battle with the bullets flying is not the time to find out the guy you're relying on is a coward. That's terrible timing. Wish I'd have known that the other day. It's important. And listen, I'm not knocking you. If you're not where you need to be, I'm asking you to get there. I'm asking you to soul search. I'm asking you to check up. I'm asking you to get better, get ready, invite the Holy Spirit to take control because if you're not where you need to be, you won't make it through the battle. You won't make it on the other side when we're congratulating and giving victory and shaking hands and crying and rejoicing. We'll look around and you won't be there. I'm asking you to get ready. I'm telling you we're in a battle. I'm telling you to make your calling and election sure. I'm telling you to check up this morning. It's no time to play games or be distracted. It is a battle. You must fight. It's one that we must give everything for. In this battle, Satan has massed his entire army into this age for one last major offensive. An offensive is a military operation that seeks through an aggressive projection of armed forces to occupy territory, to gain an objective, or to achieve some large strategic, operational, or tactical goal. And his offensive has one goal in mind, one objective in mind, and that is to defeat the bride of Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy your homes. He wants to steal your children. He wants to rob you of your faith and therefore rob you of a rapture that is rightfully yours and promised to you in this day. Every possible troop that Satan has ever had has been gathered here in this moment. Every possible troop, every demon has been released from the river Euphrates. Every spirit is here, and they're congregating here, and the darkness is dense, and they're piling into this moment for an offensive. And they've picked a spot. And that's what would happen is a general would find a spot along the line. And he would say, we're going to take everything we got, and we're going to hammer in right at that spot. And when we take our forces and we hit that spot, what we're going to do is break through. And then once they break through the line, then they can attack you from behind. They can attack you from the sides. Then when they break through the line, you've been flanked, as it were. I'm telling you that the enemy has massed in this age, and he's pointed his offensive right at you. He's appointed his offensive right at the bride of Christ, and he's coming. Make no mistake about it, he's coming. He's marching across the field as we speak, and he's coming. And I'm telling you, pick up your weapon. Get ready to fight. It's not time to play games. Get ready to hold the line this morning. We must hold. Retreat is not an option. We can't turn around. We can't run. There's nobody else coming behind us. It's us. It's me. It's you. And it's you. And it's you. The people that are streaming this morning, we're in this together. And we have to hold this morning. We can't back up. We can't give an inch. He's coming. I'm telling you, he's coming. And he's coming to knock on your door and see if you're ready. And he's coming to check your heart to see if the token's there. He's coming to your home to see if the token's there. And it better be applied. It better be applied so that when he comes, they say, Passover, just Passover. But what if he finds you not ready? What if he finds you not in the battle? What if your weapon's laying down? This is the final battle. This is it. Be ready this morning. 
He's coming. And he's gathered all his troops. And I paint a bleak picture. But I tell you, as it comes to worldly things, we live in a bleak world. I paint a bleak picture, but let me flip it to the other side for just a moment. He's gathered every one of his demons in this age. He's gathered them for one final attack. But let me give you a word this morning. That attack is not for your destruction. That attack will not be your defeat. That attack will not take you down. But this final battle is a battle that is for his destruction. It is the destruction of his kingdom. The Red Sea wasn't for Israel's destruction. The Red Sea, even though it looked bleak, was for Egypt's destruction. The lion's den wasn't for Daniel's destruction. The fiery furnace wasn't for the destruction of the three Hebrew children. It was for the destruction of the ones that held them captive. And I'm telling you, in this battle, the ones trying to hold you captive, the depression and the fear and the anxiety and the sickness trying to hold you down, in this battle, it's for their destruction this morning. But you got to hold the line this morning. It's not your destruction. But it's theirs. There has never been a more unbelieving age than the age we live in now. Some statistics that I pulled. I'm a statistic guy. I've been accused of making them up on the spot a time or two. These aren't made up. At least not by me. <laughs> Only 50% of Americans today are members of a church. That doesn't mean they go to church regularly. That means their name is on a book somewhere. 50%. That means that 163 million people in our country aren't even members of a church, much less attend. You are surrounded by unbelievers. Brother Branham says, unbelief is the most horrible thing there is in the world. If you could only take a spiritual looking glass and look into your soul, you doubt and you find out what it looks like. And the greatest devil and the chief of all devils is unbelief. The chief of all devils is the one that has infiltrated this age more than ever before. He's done it through education. He's done it through entertainment. He's done it, done it through science. He's done it through even the news. And he's done it through religion. Religion, above all other things, has taught people not to believe in the supernatural moving of God. It's one of the greatest tools in the hand of our enemy today is religion. Satan has taken 6,000 years since the fall of man to study you, to find every weakness, every vice that would please the flesh. And he put it all right here in the closing age of time. And he has set his army in array for the battle. 200 million demons have been released from the river Euphrates. And you are their target. They have purposed in themselves, you will not rapture. You will not overcome. You will not have peace. You will not have joy. You will not have health. And they have created an Eden here on this earth. An Eden of hell. An Eden of Satan. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States between 18 and older. That's 18% of our entire population. 17.3 million Americans yearly struggle with depression. One person every 40 seconds in America will commit suicide. 
It is the second leading cause of death amongst teenagers. 35% of downloads from the internet are pornographic. 40 million Americans regularly visit pornography sites. One in every five mobile phone searches is for pornography. Listen, you here and on the internet, wake up and don't be naive. Well, my, my kid don't deal with that. Yes, they do. It is real, it is the enemy, it is the devil, and it is trying to infiltrate you, and they get to walk around with these things right here. Do not be naive. Do not be stupid. We'll use that word. Don't be stupid. Be smart. Don't put something in your kid's hands and allow the devil opportunity to attack them and set your child up for failure. I'm not saying don't let kids have phones. That's not what I'm saying. No, I'm saying be careful. Use wisdom. Use the Holy Spirit to guide you and the rules you set and the boundaries you set and be willing to stand on them because your kids will fight back against you. That's just part of it. You got to wake up. You say, my kid don't deal with these things. Yeah, yeah. It's not time to put our head in the sand. It's not time to act like these things aren't going on. 71% of teens admit they hide their online behavior from their parents. 71% admit it. That means 100% do it. That's kind of how I view statistics. 90% of teenagers and 96% of young adults are either encouraging. Now listen to this again. Why are you telling us all this, Brother Aaron? I'm trying to get you to recognize that you better be ready to hold the line. You better be ready to fight because you're surrounded. 90% of teens and 96%, that's almost everybody, of young adults are encouraging or accepting when they talk about pornography. 64% of Christian men, 15% of Christian women so they view pornography at least once a month. This is the most unbelieving age the world has ever seen. But in the midst of that, in the middle of hell being recreated upon the earth, there is a people who has been turned back to faith again. There is a message that has come and turned our heart back to faith. There is a message that has come and given us the strength to stand. I'm so thankful for this message. I'm so thankful for a church. I'm so thankful for a pastor that still stands and preaches the moving of the spirit. I'm so thankful for a pastor and people that stand and believe in the token. Because I'm telling you, without the token, you will not overcome this world. Without the token, you will not be able to stand. I'm so grateful and thankful for the services that we have. I'm so thankful that we gather together and the Lord comes and he meets with us here and he moves and he moves in the worship and he moves in the preaching of the word and the people respond and lives are changed. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful this morning that he's still filled with the Holy Ghost, that he still stands behind his word. I'm so thankful that we can overcome in this day. Where would we stand without the message of the hour? You would be one of those statistics, a so-called Christian giving in to the vices of the world. Oh, but praise be to God. He's still filled with the Holy Ghost. You can still have the Acts experience. You can still be filled with the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. And we believe it and we preach it and we'll continue to preach it and we'll continue to hold that line. The supernatural is needed in our churches. <clears throat> Nothing short of the token is going to stand in this hour. Where would we stand without it? Psalms 18 and 39, 
I'm thankful for this. It says, for thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Yes, there is a battle. And Satan has brought all his forces here and he's in full attack mode. But thou hast girded me with strength for the battle. Satan is going on his final offensive. One final push for victory. But there's got to be somebody who's going to stand against it. Somebody who's willing to call right, right. Somebody who's willing to call wrong, wrong. So it's not the time for us to back off. It's not the time for us to ease up. It's not the time for us to become distracted. It's not the time to relax. This is not the time for us to get our eyes on circumstances. Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes forward. That's where the enemy's coming from. We must get our attention this morning right back here on the word of God. Once again, back on the task at hand. Focus on what the general is telling you to do. Not what this other guy's telling you, not what this guy's telling you, and I don't think the general knows what he's doing. You can trust this general. You get your eyes back on his commands. Get your eyes back on his word. That's what's going to lead you through. That's what's going to see you through. That's what's going to hold you in the time of war. We got to hold the line this morning. Brother Branham says, see what the captain said? He's the captain of our salvation. Hallelujah. What is salvation? Deliverance. Glory. He's the captain of our deliverance. The great hour of charge is at hand. Hallelujah. Soldier with armors gleaming, colors streaming. Faith and doubt is setting yourself in array in this tabernacle this morning. Doubt on one side, faith on the other. Soldier, stand at your post of duty. Hallelujah. Our captain, the morning star, leads on. He never goes back. He don't know the word retreat. He don't have to retreat. Amen. Certainly the greatest battle ever fought. She is going on right in here now. Yes, sir. Between life and death, between sickness and health, between faith and doubt. Oh, my. Between liberty and bondage, the battle is on. Shine your spears, soldiers. Polish up your armor. God is getting his soldiers ready. Amen. God anoints his army. I'm so thankful to know God has anointed his army in this day. I'm so thankful to know that I'm not going into battle, that I'm not well equipped. But I've been given power over sin. I've been given authority over the devil. I've been given the anointing I need to stand in this day. The armor I need. The weapons I need. I'm not going in ill-equipped. I'm going in with atomic bombs. I'm going in with him backing me up. I'm going in with an anointing of the Holy Spirit knowing that I can stand. Because he said, having done all to stand, stand therefore. In other words, after you have stood all, you can stand. That means you can't stand anymore. It says you've done all to stand. That means there's nothing else. And he says, now stand. So where does that come from? Him. After you've done all you can do, don't worry. I'll make up where you lack. Don't worry, I'll pick you up. Don't worry, I'll stand with you. Don't worry, I'll give you the power you need. You do all you can do and then just trust in me. Do everything you can and I got your back. I tell you, I ain't never, ever, ever been more comfortable with somebody telling me they've got my back than knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is standing right there, sword drawn. I feel safe. I feel protected. It don't matter what I see out there. It don't matter what's coming towards me. I can hold. I can stand. I can draw my sword and hold the line because I know he said stand when you can't stand because that lets me know he's fighting with me hallelujah hold the line in the midst of battle there are times where the enemy goes on the offensive to take away what you have 
and you must hold the line. What does it mean to hold the line? It means to remain steadfast during combat, to hold your position in the face of the enemy, to hold fast against an enemy offensive that is meant to break you. To hold the line, you must be resolute, uncompromising, unrelenting, unswayable, and unyielding. You must be resolute, uncompromising, unrelenting, unswayable, and unyielding. You must be this in every minute of every day. We can't yield for a moment. We can't give in for a moment. But we must be unyielding on the promises that God has given to us. And we must be ready to defend them at any moment. So the enemy has masked an attack on our lines. <clears throat> and what Satan has done in this last day is he's used what's known as a blitzkrieg of sorts. As he has massed all his troops here in an attempt to use a shock and awe technique to get you fearful and to make you move off of your position. Try to get you looking around going, oh my. Did you know that's going on in the world? Can you believe that many people are doing that on the internet? Can you believe what's going on in the hospital and the type of lives people are living and what's going on at the schools? And what's, oh, we're sorry, I, I don't even want to. How, how are our children going to overcome? How? Because you're doing this now instead of this now. Because he said I could. Because he said I would. Because he said I got a bride without spot or wrinkle. Because he said that those that overcome will, will I grant to sit in my throne. That means somebody's going to overcome. Keep your eyes here. Keep it focused here. Because he has massed a, a great army in this age. And he's trying to use shock and awe. Using a blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg is a technique that Hitler and Germany developed. And they used during World War II. It means lightning war. It was fast, powerful strikes where the Germans would use tanks and light artillery and move swiftly and strike at your lines with, with overwhelming speed and overwhelming force and break through your lines. It would seemingly come out of nowhere and hit you with the full attack when you weren't prepared. And even if you were prepared, it oftentimes seemed impossible to stand against. And with such force, such speed, armies and nations bowed down to Hitler all across the world at the beginning of World War II. Europe basically just crumbled at his feet. Fear gripped the world. Could anyone stand up to Germany? Could anyone stand up to Hitler and this blitzkrieg war machine that he had created? And, but as the war drug on into 1944, the tide of the war actually had begun to turn in favor of the Allies. Germany had been bogged down in their invasion of Russia and they'd been turned back in their invasion of North Africa. And allies figured that the surrender of Nazi Germany was actually near. The writing seemed to be upon the wall. The ending was becoming clear. This thing's winding down. This thing's almost over. Hitler is going to have no choice but to surrender. It kind of seems a lot like us in this day. A people that have been marching under the banner of truth a people walking from victory to victory to victory, proving time and time again that the word would defeat Satan any place, anywhere, anytime. Casting him down here, casting him down there, defeating him here, overcoming him there. And it seems like this thing's winding down. We can see the end. The victory is here. We're about to take a rapture. This thing is almost over and the writing seems to be upon the wall. And yet Satan is mounting one final offensive. Listen, 
I hate to tell you this this morning, but victories don't lead to less fighting. Victories lead to more fighting. Because when you take something from the enemy, you can be guaranteed that he's going to come back and try to take it back from you. When you get your healing, you can be guaranteed he's going to come back with symptoms. When you get your depression, you, free of your depression, you can be guaranteed he's going to come back with gloomy symptoms and try to haunt at you. He's going to make you prove that you've got the victory. He's going to make you prove that you can hold what you claim to have. The Bible would tell us over and over and over again, hold fast, hold fast. Why do you need to hold it? Because somebody's coming to try to take it. Somebody's going to try to grip it away from you and rip it from you. He says, you've got to hold fast. Every victory you have, hold fast. Every time you possess something, hold fast. Every time you take another step, hold fast. Because he's going to try to come and take it from you. And we have to fight to hold it. Everything you take, you've got to fight to hold it. And you've got to hold it with all your heart. Revelation 2.25 says, but that which you have already, hold fast till I come. You've got to hold on to it. You can't let the fire die down. You can't let your expectations die down. You can't let the enemy take your joy. Every little piece, you got to hold on to it. 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. That means to hold on with all you got. Get a grip. Grip it. Hold it. Don't let anybody take it from your hands. Because he's mounting one final offensive in this day against the bride around the world. And church, you must hold fast. Hitler believed that Germany had one last chance. <clears throat> they had one last chance to strike at the heart of the Allies. And so Hitler ordered his commanders to prepare for an all-out offensive against a strategic, what he assumed was a soft spot in the Allied line located in a densely forested region known as the Ardennes. The result of this, here we are winding down World War II, thinking it's over, thinking the writing's on the wall. We're right at the end. Victory is near. That's us. That's where we're at. Understand what I'm getting you to. That's us today. We're right here. We're right at it. It's a, that you can't lay your weapon down because he's going to amount. He's going to mount a final charge. And so Hitler mounts his final charge and it would turn out to be the largest battle in American military history. It's known today as the Battle of the Bulge. I was talking to my mom about this, and she said, that's the battle we've all been fighting since quarantine started. Said, well, I've been fighting it longer than that, but I was fat before this. But <laughs> maybe some of y'all, that's your problem, <coughs> is the quarantine. But this is the largest battle in American military history. It's known as the Battle of the Bulge, or... We would say today, in our spiritual terms, the greatest battle ever fought. We're so close. We're right at victory, Brother Aaron. Can't be distracted now. Can't lay your weapon down now. Even though victory's at hand, and even though we can see the finish line, Satan is going about now as a roaring line. He recognizes his time is short. He's recognizing that he's running out of time, so he's going harder than he's ever gone. He's attacking you harder than you've ever been attacked. I don't get it. If we got all this power and all this victory, why am I being attacked harder now than ever? Because his time is short. Because he knows he's about to lose you. Because he knows, just like you know, that your victory is right here. Your rapture is right here. But he's making you fight for every inch. And the last few inches will be harder than the first few. You've got to hold fast and push through and break through because he's throwing all hell at you. Right. All hell at your home. All hell at your experience. Is it true? 
Is the token there? Will it hold this morning? Stand up, be counted, hold the line because the offensive of the enemy is coming. Are you ready? Have you put on the whole armor of God? You know, the Ardennes region, the, the GIs, the American GIs would actually call it the honeymoon sector because it was such a piece of cake. That's where they would send new, new people there, new arrivals could ease into the war by going to that section, not have to worry about fighting. Or even battle-scarred veterans would go there to recuperate and refit for battle. It was the place they least expected at a time they least expected it. Listen, if you don't think things can hit you unexpected and come out of left field without warning, just look at the situation we're in now and how quick that happened. In one moment, the word cancer can have your head spinning. In one moment, your whole world can be flipped upside down. In one moment, things can be fine. And the very next moment, your world it seemed to be in utter chaos because the enemy has hit you with a blitzkrieg. He came from nowhere. You didn't see it coming. You were lax. You didn't know this is fine. Life is good. Everything's going good. You're serving the Lord. You're doing nothing wrong, but things are cruising and bam, you get hit. Where did that come from? What is that? What's going on, Lord? What is this? It can happen in an instant. One moment. But I got good news. That's not the only way it works. One moment in his presence. One moment in his presence can fix everything that the enemy could ever think about doing. One moment in his presence can erase a lifetime of sin, a lifetime of shame, and a lifetime of guilt. One moment in his presence can take a death sentence and turn it into new life. One moment in his presence can take the worst attack from the enemy and turn it into the greatest testimony for the glory of the kingdom of God. Just one moment in his presence is all it takes this morning. One moment with him changes everything forever. One visitation and you can never be the same. One visitation from him and you can say, I'll never be the same. And so it was on the morning of December the 16th. There was a thick mist that was blanketing all the mountains and the Ardennes forest. And a German fighting force numbering 200,000. And over a thousand tanks, 200,000 and a thousand tanks launched an all out attack on the unsuspecting allies. Veteran described the eerie red and purple light streaking through the fog, followed by the bone chilling sound of screaming Mimi rockets and earth shattering detonations in every direction. You can't imagine the horror. You can't imagine the fear that would have gripped you. You know, we think we're prepared. I believe we are. I think we're well trained. I think we're real ta well taught. I, I don't make a habit of quoting Mike Tyson from the pulpit. <clears throat> but Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Everybody thinks they're ready till the sh shots start firing. Till the arrows start flying, till the guns start going off, till it's you sitting in the doctor's office, till it's you facing the attack in your home. Everybody says, oh, we're standing with you, brother. We got you. But what about when it's you? When it's your turn and Goliath has called your name? Everybody's got a plan till they get hit in the mouth. We can all stand and dress the part when things are going smooth. But what are you going to do when the bullets start flying? What are you going to do when a thousand falls on this side and ten thousand falls on that side? 
What are you going to do in that moment when you can't see anything and you can't hear anything and nothing but explosions and rifles and the enemy howling and demons howling your name and calling you, telling they're going to destroy you. They're going to take your life. They're going to take your family and they're surrounding you. What are you going to do? Let me tell you what you're going to do because you got the token, because you're born again, because you're a son of God. In the midst of all that, you're going to stand firm. In the midst of all that, you're going to draw your sword and you're going to count on the fact that he's standing with you. In the midst of all that, you will not run. You will not buckle. You will not give in. You will not retreat, but you will stand knowing that God Almighty, my God is standing for me. In the midst of all that, I don't care how many demons are around you. I don't care how many people are against you. You can stand even if you got to stand by yourself what will you do you will stand hold the line but I've done all I can to stand then stand therefore I've done all I can do then rely on him I'm not asking you to do anything else but just stand one more time and put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust him and you will be victorious we got to have some people that will stand brother Michael where are the sons of God today willing to stand where are the daughters of God today willing to stand and say, I'll toe the line. I won't back down. I won't bow down to modern pressure. I won't give in to modern trends. I won't give in. I'll stand. I'll stand for the truth. I'll stand for the message. I'll stand for holiness. I'll stand for the moving of the spirit. I'll stand for every promise. I'll stand no matter what it costs me. I'm going to stand and hold the line. Yeah. All right. We got to have people that say, I will not break. I will not bow. I will not give in because this is a good land. This is a good place to make my stand. That's what you find down through history is when an attack would come, your leaders would search for a good piece of ground. Where can we make our stand? And if it was in a place that wasn't secure, like maybe it was in a valley and the mountains were on the sides, they wouldn't stand there because they were susceptible to attack. What I'm telling you today is this land we've been brought back to, it's a good land. It's a good piece of ground. It's the perfect place to make your stand. You're surrounded by all these thousands and millions of demons and enemies and things coming in. Look around one time. Oh, this is a good land. This is a good piece of ground. This is the place I will make my stand. This is where I'll stand with my family. This is where I'll stand with my church. This is where I'll stand. Right here on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground may be sinking sand, but I found the place I'll stand. I found the place I'll toe the line. It's right here in the land of the Holy Ghost that we've been returned to. And it seems as time goes on, there's less and less people willing to stand for all of it. They might stand for their pet quotes. They might stand for the mechanics of it. They might stand for the fact that God sent a prophet or stand here or stand there. And I agree with all that. You've got to stand with all those. I believe in standing where God sent a prophet. I believe in standing for the correct doctrines. I believe in standing on those things. But what we got to get to the point where we recognize that an attack on any of it is an attack on all of it. An attack on any of it is an attack on all of it. An attack on part of our church is an attack on our whole church. An attack on one part of my family is an attack on me. And we got to be willing to stand for every last bit of this word, not pick and choose here and there. You got to be willing to stand for all of it. You got to be willing to stand for all of it. But the thing is, when you stand for all of it, you're going to fight more. You're going to fight more because when you stand for all of it, that means there's never a moment that you can relax. There's never a moment that you can rest because the enemy is always attacking somewhere. The enemy is always attacking somewhere. And the minute you hold off this attack and think I can move forward a little bit, he attacks over here. 
but I got to stand for all of it. So I'll face him there and I defeat him there and I go to move and he attacks there. You're always going to be fighting if you stand for all of it. It's a constant war. And that's okay because I didn't sign up for nothing. That's okay because we didn't sign up for a picnic. That's okay because we didn't join a social club. We joined an army and we are soldiers. And in the army you fight. Don't join the military and then get upset when you get sent to battle. Don't join the military and get upset when people shoot at you. That's what's going to happen because it's a battle. You're a soldier. You're in the army. Buckle up. Ante up like men. Throw your shoulders back and toe the line and say, here I'll stand. Here I'll fight. I'll fight for every last bit of it. I'll stand for all of it. And hold fast. This is a war and the enemy is coming with all that he has. And I'll say again, retreat is not an option. You got to put on the whole armor of God. You got to dig in your heels because the enemy is coming. Why is he coming? It just means you have a land. That's what it means. Listen, Israel never had to fight wars when they were slaves in Egypt. If somebody attacked Egypt, Egypt had to deal with it. It was Egypt's land. It was Egypt's job to protect their land. But once you get your own land, now you got something to defend. Once you get your own promises, now you got something you got to stand for. The battle today is for everything that God has promised you. It may come in a specific way for a while. It may come against your health. It may come against your peace. It may come against your children, your joy, your family. Or it may come against the church as a whole and some great big uh, um, persecution as it were. But it don't matter how it comes. You got to be willing to stand for all of it. Stand for all of it. Listen, (coughs) Palestine was given to the Jews. All of it. So an attack against one part of Palestine is an attack against all of it. They don't go, well, that part's kind of far away, so I'm not worried about that part. You better be worried about every part. This land was given to you. An attack against it on page one is the same as an attack against it on the last page and everything in between. We stand for the book of Genesis and what happened in the garden. We stand for the book of Revelation. We stand for the book of Acts and everything in between and the books you can't pronounce. We stand for every last one of it, and we won't back off of any of it. We're standing here because it was all given to us. It's been opened up to us. It's mine. And now that it's given to you, it's your job to defend it. It's your job to protect it. It's your job to hold the line this morning. Now you have something to fight for. Why am I constantly under attack? Because you're back in the land and he can't stand it. You're back in the land that belongs to you and he hates it. A land that he thought he had stripped away down through the church ages. A land that he had tore down. They won't remember. They don't even know what it's like to have the moving of the Spirit. He had stripped all that away. But now a people have returned to the land. A people are back in the land. And he hates it. And he attacks it with all he's got. But guess what? My God fights for me. I can stand my ground and say, my God gave me this. This is the border he established. I didn't establish it. He established my borders. He expanded my borders. Now it's my job to stand. It's my job to stand. How can I overcome? Stand. It doesn't make sense. Listen, duty is ours. Results are God's. Duty is ours. Results are God's. Just stand at your post of duty and watch him do what he does. Now we have something to fight for. You're back in your rightful position and he wants it. You're back in your rightful position and he hates it. But now that you're here, you're going to have to hold. 
Don't let no man take it. Don't let no spirit take it. Don't let no doctrines take it. You stand firm. You stand true to all of it. Scripture tells us in James that the devil is supposed to flee from us. Visual. Some people are visual learners, Brother Mike. Why ain't the devil leaving? I don't get it. He's been standing there in that valley for 40 days. He ain't left yet. Well, Brother Mike, he ain't going to until somebody stands up and goes forward and takes the word of God and makes him leave. Yes, he's going to flee. Yes, my God fights for me. Yes, my God fights my battles. Yes, the battle is the Lord's. I understand all that. But who's he going to do it through? You. Who's he going to fight for? You. Brother Joe brought it out so great on Wednesday night. He'll feed the 5,000, but somebody's going to give him the loaves and the fishes. Somebody, he wants somebody to put something in his hands. He wants you to do a part. Listen, he didn't need anybody to give him those loaves and fishes. He could have just said, poof, but he wants you to do a part. He wants you to have a stake in the battle. you got to resist the devil, then he will flee. He's not just going to flee. you got to do your part to resist and hold the line. Brother Brown says, speak and go forward. That's right. That's God's commission to his church. We have no time to slack. They say the revival's over. It isn't over. Go forward. It's time that Pentecost is played out. It isn't. It's time for Pentecost to rise in the name of Jesus Christ and go forward. There's no retreat. There's no staying on the same ground. Let's move with the Spirit. Or the Spirit will move on to somebody else and leave you standing. Move with the Spirit. Think about that next time you want to quench the movement of the Spirit of God. Move with the Spirit, or the Spirit will move and leave you standing. <laughs> We're under attack. Just as America was under attack that day on December the 16th, 1944, two regiments of the 106th Division were quickly surrounded by the German infantry. Happened like that. They weren't ready, they were surrounded. Leading to the largest single field surrender of Allied troops in World War II. More than 6,800 American soldiers taken prisoners like that. Elsewhere, near the town of the Belgian town of Malmedy, 84 American prisoners were executed by German SS. The largest mass execution of the war, when speaking of soldiers. Church, you will never get a moment of peace by surrendering to the devil. He will try to tell you to lay your weapon down. He will try to tell you to quit fighting, to give in a little here and give in a little bit there. But he's not after the little bit. They surrendered and were executed. Listen, he wants to put you to death. He wants to kill your experience. He wants to rob your family. And he might start by nibbling at your joy. Well, what's the big deal? I'm just a little bit down. Don't be down. Don't, don't give him a foothold. That's all that is is a foothold for him to get into your life and to begin to work on you and get you down and depressed. And then he changes the atmosphere in your home because of the atmosphere you've created because you gave him a foothold. Now he's in your home, and so now he's attacking your children. Next thing you know, and I hate to be painting this big drastic leap here, but next thing you know, you lose one child. You lose another child. They're out in the world. Why? And this isn't always the case, but why? Trace it all the way back to where you allowed your home to be changed because you allowed a foothold Suddenly there weren't prayer in the home. Suddenly you were upset. Suddenly you were this. And it's all because you didn't deal with the little foothold. Don't give him a place into your life. He's not just looking for a little surrender. He's looking to execute you. He's looking to destroy you and destroy your home and destroy your family. 
He wants to go after your, your children. <clears throat> Just 24 hours after the initial bombardment, German tanks had broken through the thinly defended center of the Ardennes region and was rolling west towards the Meuse River. I know a lot of us don't study World War II, but if this advance wasn't checked, if this wasn't stopped, we're talking about a whole different situation today. This was going to cut the, the allies in two and allow Germany to hold them off, reinforce, and to continue fighting for years, and who knows? Who knows? But after 24 hours, they'd already broke the line and was heading west to the Meuse River, and this has created the infamous bulge in the, in the line as the Americans or as the allies had to fall back. They used the weather and they used intelligence breakdowns the Germans did to their own advantage and the Nazi offensive appeared to be working. Listen, if you take a minute and you look around the world, Satan's offensive appears to be working. If you look around and see what's going on, and, and I'll tell you what, on many people it has worked. On many people they have caved. On many people they have run away. But you look around and the politics are filthy. Our country is a cesspool and, and full of corruption and, and our leaders are full of corruption. The smoke from the bottomless pit is making it hard for people to even see, even understand what's truth, what's going on. And it looks like his plan is working. But when the world stood there with bated breath and thought, Hitler's about to win this. Hitler's about to crush through on this mighty offensive and once again reestablish dominance in the field. The allies are lost. The battle is a lost cause. This is about to be Hitler's greatest victory. There was a small group of Americans in the Ardennes Forest. And they said, we ain't going to retreat. There was a little group in the last day determined to stand. And they said, I don't care what the situation looks like. This is not going to be Satan's greatest victory. This is going to be his greatest downfall. It's going to be his greatest defeat. He's come with everything he's got, but we're not leaving this spot. And if Hitler thought that the outmanned Americans were going to lay down and let the German tanks roll all the way to Antwerp, he was sadly mistaken. In the midst of it all at a place called Bastogne, the 101st Airborne was pinned down and surrounded by Nazi infantry for five days. I've talked to people, and my, and my dad had friends that were there at Bastogne. They say, you've never experienced cold like that. At night, it was dropping to negative 5 to negative 10 degrees every night. They didn't have tents. They didn't have shelter. They didn't have warm weather gear because it had all happened so quick. They were dressed just like us. And it would drop down to negative 5, negative 10 they said, we're not leaving. We're not backing off. We're not going to surrender. For five days, they were pinned down. The Americans dug trenches in a wide perimeter around Bastogne. They had no warm clothes. They had run out of rations. And they had been shot to pieces. Temperature plunged at night to south of negative 20 degrees Celsius. Soldiers were crippled by frostbite, crippled by trench foot. And they said, we're not leaving. When medics ran out of supplies, life-saving amputations were performed with kitchen knives and little or no anesthesia. And they said, we're not leaving. When things looked the worst for the Americans, the Nazi field commander issued an official call for surrender. General Anthony McAuliffe of the 101st Airborne replied with one of the most famously blunt replies in the history of warfare. Some people may find this silly. 
but it almost brings me to tears. It fires me up. Here they are, dead and dying, but they know people are counting on them. Here we are. We've been shot to pieces. Sometimes it seems like there's wounded all over. There's people struggling. There's people that can't go, but I'm telling you, we ain't leaving. I'm telling you, we're going to hold the line. Have you seen the force that's coming? I don't care. We're going to hold the line. But what if it's just you? I'm going to hold the line. And the official wire came through from the German commander offering him the opportunity to surrender officially. He wired back a one-word response. Nuts! You're nuts! But Satan says, just lay down your weapon, surrender. I've got you surrounded. You're wounded. You're going to die. Somebody needs to stand up and say, Satan, you're nuts! That's just nuts. There's no way I'm laying my weapon down. There's no way I'm quitting now. Have you read the back of the book? I know there's people counting on me. They, without me, can't be perfect. They're watching today saying, press the battle. Hold the line. Press the battle. Hold the line. I can't quit. You can't quit. I need you. Surrender. Nuts. There's no way I'm surrendering. It's time people stand up, recognize who they are, what they have, and say, I will hold the line this morning. Give up your birthright this morning. Give up your promises. Lay down your sword. Nuts. There ain't no way. (laughs) The 101st Airborne held out And just two days later, the skies began to clear. And it began to allow the planes to drop them fresh supplies. Man, to drop them some food. Just when you think you can't go no more, here comes a handful on purpose. He drops you a little bit here. He drops you a little bit there. And you begin to go, I can stand another day. I can fight another minute. I can go on a little bit longer. And with just a matter of days, General George Patton had turned his 350,000-man army north, punched through the German flank. And victory was attained. Did Patton win the victory? No. No. The Allies won the victory because there was a group of people. The 101st Airborne said, we ain't leaving. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, church, the Calvary's on the way. I'm telling you this morning, there's a lot more than 350,000 of them. There's legions of angels on the way. And they're saying, just hold the line a little bit longer. Just hold a little bit longer. In a moment, a twinkle of an eye, we're going to snatch you out of there. And victory will be attained because you refused to move. You refused to back up. You held the line. You stood toe-to-toe with the enemy. And you said, this is good ground. And I'm not moving off my promises. The answer is on the way. Oh, church, what if they'd surrendered right before Patton showed up? What if they'd given in? How many times have we sold out victory when the answer was just around the corner? <laughs> have we given up when the visitation was so near? What if Abraham wasn't in the tent door that day because that morning he said, that's enough. Let's just go down to Lot and see what, down to Sodom and see what Lot and them are doing today. No, nah, but he was found holding the line, sitting in the tent door going, he promised it. Abraham, it's been 24 years. Why does that matter? He promised it. Brother Aaron, I've been sick a long time. Why does that matter? He promised it. I've been holding on for my children a long time. Why does that matter? He promised it. Be found in the tent door this morning. Be found sitting there looking for the visitation from the angel because he's moving this morning and he's going to find somebody holding the line. He's going to find somebody standing there at their post of duty and he's going to bring the results. Hallelujah. We can't sell out when victory is so close. Daniel 10 and 11 
And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. That part of that scripture jumps out at me. I love how the first thing the angel tells him is you're greatly loved. Church, this morning you're greatly loved. But I've been going through so much. I've been holding on. And you're greatly loved. The message from the angel this morning says you're greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. Your prayers aren't stopping at the ceiling. He's hearing every last one of them, and he's on the way. He's on the way. Just keep holding on. It says in verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. There's a reason it hasn't happened yet, but in God's time, it's going to happen. If you get fell holding on, listen, God's people will never be ashamed. You stand. Whatever your promise is, whatever you're holding on for, you stand there this morning. You hold the line this morning. The answer's on the way. He will not make you be ashamed. You won't be standing there going, why didn't it happen? You keep holding on. It will happen. You don't know how to get him on the scene? You stand. Brother Branham says, but I want to say to this mixed audience tonight, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rose from the dead, the Bible said that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the scripture. If he's the same, he's got to prove to be the same. If he manifested himself to people in those days yesterday, he's got to manifest himself to the people today. And he promised it in his Bible, in his word. The only thing, you're just afraid to step out and take God at his word. That's all. Don't you be afraid. You stand right there. No matter how dark it looks, you see if Jesus don't come. I've never seen him fail. He will do it. But you've got to stay right there. You've got to stay right there. And you stand your ground no matter how dark it gets. Listen to this. He says, just hold on. Here is what is coming for you. Oh, I tell you, most marvelous thing that I've ever seen in my life. The greatest hours of my life is when I got up against a wall that I couldn't get over it, under it, or around it. That's right. And then I trust God and he opens the way and I go through the thing. God takes you through it. That's when you come out on the other side. It's like Samson when he killed the lion. When he got on the other side, when he killed the lion and he got the sweetest honey he ever eat out of that old carcass of that lion. But you just got to stand right there. You must hold your ground. Bible says, Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust him. It's good ground. He's a stronghold. It's a good place to make your stand. Brother Branham says, but here is what God will judge them by, the word. That's the standard. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall never fail. Upon this I take my stand. All other grounds are sinking sand. All other grounds is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other grounds is sinking sand. You know, today we have to be careful. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> because we, we oftentimes think of the attacks and we think we know where they're going to come from. But we have to be careful because sometimes the attacks come in many different ways and we're shocked by the direction the fire is actually coming from. We've all seen full frontal assaults against the message of the hour. Trying to shake the very thing that we hold so dear. And for many, it was their undoing. Many turned in the battle. Many dropped their weapons. 
And many ran away as soon as the battle got rough. Many weren't ready to stand and be counted with us. And they bowed the knee. Many times we think that attacks are going to come from the government. Or we think of some big worldwide persecution. And some people think about widespread persecution coming from the outside. But we have to guard against attacks from the inside as well as from the outside. We don't like to think about this. And many times they're not even personal attacks. But it's attacks against what we hold dear and what we believe so thoroughly. And what we know we must have in order to overcome. Like I said, maybe these aren't even personal attacks. And maybe they're not attacks that would so much call the message false. We're not even talking about that. But maybe ideas or doctrines that would come against the power and the demonstration of the message. Ideas and doctrines that would come and and, and would hinder the effectiveness of the word by caging up its power. Those are attacks that we can't stand by and allow to go. We can't allow those ideas and those things to infiltrate this church. I can't be concerned about what goes on in, in, in other churches as far as right now. i got to be worried about we're going to hold the ground in Evening Light Tabernacle. We're going to hold the line here in Evening Light Tabernacle. And we can't have ideas or things creeping in that would cage up the power of the message. And maybe sometimes it's not even words. There's, people may not be out there going, well, we don't believe this and we don't believe that. But it's attitudes. It's attitudes towards the moving of the Spirit. It's constantly quenching the moving of the Spirit. And and, and in so doing, this speaks far louder than any words these people could ever say. And I say today that we have to hold the line. We have to stand there and say our God still moves the way he has always moved. Nothing has changed from the way he did it in the book of Acts. I say that that is good ground. I say that's a place worth fighting for. I say that's a place worth standing. And I'm not willing to move today even one inch off of God's supernatural power. I'm not willing to move today one inch off of my God-given right to see the Holy Ghost moving in our services. I won't back up even a little bit. I'm not going to give ground to that at all because that's something I live for. That's something I enjoy. That's something I need. That's something I leave. I'll stand for the Holy Ghost moving in our service. I'll stand for our young people being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll stand for people having an experience. I'll stand for the healing of the sick. I'll stand for people having demons cast out of their lives because we believe in the supernatural. I'll stand right there. I'll draw my sword and I will defend that with all that I am. I'm not going to move an inch off of that. I'm glad today to be associated with a group of people that believe in the supernatural, that believe in the moving of the spirit, that believes in tongues and interpretation and every, all the other gifts listed in the Bible. We believe in those things. And I'm not ashamed to declare those things. I, I'm thankful to be associated with people that believe that God does everything the same way he always has, especially since that is supposedly the theme of the message you believe. The very theme of the message you believe was Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, he does, but we don't need. Well, why do you get to decide what we need? If he said he's going to move the same way, he must have known what I needed. He knew I needed him to move the same way he always moved. He knew that I needed the supernatural. He knew that I needed to see those things and to have those things moving in my life. It's the very theme of the message that came forth. Hebrews 13, 8. He is the same. Galatians 5 1 says, Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. 
Brother Branham says, stay with that word. Don't you never leave that word. You stay right with it. You stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free. Be not entangled in all those yokes of bondage and so forth. Stand fast and stand free. It amazes me the number of people in this day after being sent the most supernatural message ever that are either against the supernatural or they're afraid of it. Do you even know the message you're following? There's never been a more supernatural message, and yet we want to take and withdraw the supernatural aspect from it. Listen, your car is really pretty. You've got it shined up real nice. It looks great. And I'm really glad that you've got your doctrines all in order. I'm proud of that. I stand with you on that. But your car hasn't moved in years. And now you want to be mad at people that are zooming up and down the highway. Don't be mad. Join us. Don't be mad. Put some gasoline in your tank. It's a good car. I like what you've done. But don't be afraid to get there and get the dynamics going in there and get the engine going and come join us. It's fun going up and down this highway because, listen, I still got a car just like you. My car is just as pretty as yours, but mine's driving. My car's going places. My car's going in a rapture. I'm leaving here. But if you don't crank your car, you're going to be left sitting in the driveway with a pretty car and a bunch of doctrines. It's not just the doctrines that separate us. It's the life that came with those doctrines. It's the life that came with this message. It's the power that came with it. And it came in power. And it came in demonstration. Quit being the get off my lawn guy and get in your car and drive with us. Quit being such a crank about it. And crank it up. Put your crankiness to your car. <laughs> Listen. Here we are. It's not working something up by stepping back and letting the spirit move. I get so tired of hearing, well, working, don't, don't work up emotion. Don't work. It's not working up to let him move. You're going to accuse us of that. Let me step back and say to you, okay, we'll quit working things up. You quit quenching the spirit. Uh, it's not working things up to allow the spirit to move. Look, as Christians, we got to stand for our freedoms. we got to stand for the freedom of worship. Quit being afraid of the word Pentecost. Why are we so afraid of the word Pentecost? Pentecost is what Peter was. Pentecost is what Paul was. And Pentecost is what I am. I'll go ahead and be associated with that. If it was good enough for Peter and it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. That's what Paul was. That's what Peter was. And that's what I am. Pentecostal is what I am, not by denomination, not by creed, not by doctrine, not by joining something, not, not, because, not because of all these things we think, but it's because my messenger preached exactly what Paul preached. And what Paul preached was the Pentecostal message. Our messenger preached exactly what Paul preached. He said that. And the people on the other side said, that's what we're counting on. We're resting on that. It's not emotion. It's not a workup. It's gathering around the revealed word of the hour, leaving your fire extinguisher outside, and letting God move in the service. That's what it is. Getting in one mind, one accord, and letting God move. Oh, but Brother Aaron, the book is open. That's why I'm excited. I got something to shout about. I got something to dance about. I got something to worship him about. But the book is open. Well, why don't you notify your face? 
You are the saddest person I've ever seen about the revealed word of the hour. Praise God. Why did it make you so sad? When the book came open and I realized who I was and my position and where I stood, it made me get excited. It gave me something to shout about. It gave me something to dance about. It's what loosed the spirit moving again in the churches. This message came and broke the spirit free. And there's a movement amongst people to take the spirit and cage it back up. Not here. It's not happening here. We're going to hold the line. We're going to stand our ground and say, we need it. We want it. Lord, you're free to move here anyhow, anytime, any way you want to move. This message set it free. I am not going to fight a battle to cage it back up. But I will fight a battle to keep it loose, to keep it free, and to keep it moving. My home needs it. My children need it. I need it. You need it. Let it move in your life. The book is open. I got something to be excited about. (laughs) Brother Brown says, oh my, you'll think I'm a holy roller after a while, sure enough. But, brother, when I think of the blood of Christ that pardoned my book of sin and throwed it in the sea of forgetfulness, it makes me get happy and rejoicing. I love him with all my heart. If the old time power of, it's the old-time power of God that saved me and has kept me through the age. I love him with all my heart tonight, and I take my stand with Paul of old. In the way that's called heresy, so worship I the God of our fathers. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto the salvation to those who believe. Marvelous. He's wonderful. Jude said to contend. Contend because somebody would like to change it or twist it or remove it from you. Contend for what was once given. Things have already been beginning to change. We're not too many years down the road from the messenger gone off the scene and things beginning to change. Contend. Hold fast. Defended against outside forces. Defended against inside forces. Listen, I ain't worried about being shut down by the government. I ain't worried about you being shut down by the government. I'm more worried about those of you that have shut yourself down spiritually because you put the Holy Ghost in a quarantine. And you ain't seen it in a long, long time because you're afraid of it and it's in quarantine. Let him out. Let him out and let him move this morning. Let him go. I ain't worried about wildfire. I'd be much more worried if we had no fire. That's what would concern me the most. I love it when the spirit moves in evening like tabernacle. I love it anywhere, but let me talk to my church. I love it when the spirit moves. I love it when a sister breaks free and begins to shout and dance or a brother breaks free and begins to shout. I love it. Better yet, I love it when a bunch of us break free and begin to shout. I love it. There's nothing like it. It puts me in the mind of war. That's what I think of. You say, absolutely, I think of war. I think the reason that that shout's happening is something just died. An enemy was just killed. A chain was just broke. There's a war going on. And when I hear the shouts and the screams and the worship and the praise, I begin to realize not only is there a war going on, but we're winning. Not only is there a war going on, but there's victory taking place. It puts me in the mind of war, and I love it. See, that's the problem right there. People are sitting around going, war? That's the problem. A lot of people are on a picnic. And so they ain't had a victory in a long, long time because they ain't fought a battle because they're on a picnic. Brothers and sisters, this is a war. We are fighting a battle every day, and especially when we come together. We come together for freedom and to break chains and to have things cast out and have deliverance in our life to worship the King of Kings. But like I said, it puts me in the mind of of war. (laughs) And I began to think on this other day, and I got to thinking about the rebel yell. If you study much at all about the Civil War and about American history... 
the rebel yell is a very famous thing. And it's actually hard to describe. I read so much about this recently that even historians say we don't know how to describe it. They have some recordings of some old 80 and 90 year old men that used to be in the Civil War trying to do it when they were really old. And admittedly, it sounds pretty spooky, but probably not like it once did when there was 50,000 people doing it. But they don't even know how to describe it and the way it sounded. But you can just picture in the midst of a battle, there'd be dead and dying and smoke and cannons firing, muskets going off, complete disarray. And through the smoke and through the fog and through all that noise, there would suddenly come this eerie, high-pitched scream of five to 10,000 people. And it would just permeate through, over the muskets, over the cannons. The rebel yell would come out. And there were reports of how it would shake the enemy. How it would scare them. And the thing is, it wasn't the sound of it. Although it was spooky sounding. But it's because they knew what was coming next. It wasn't the yell. It's because what was fixing to happen after that yell went forward. Former Union soldiers described the yell with reference to a peculiar corkscrew sensation that would go all the way up your spine when you heard it. Along with the comment, if you claim you heard it and you weren't afraid, that means you never heard it. It derived from the screams traditionally made by Scottish Highlanders when they made a Highland charge during battle. The sound of it would terrify the enemy, often causing fear and panic to set in before the charge ever struck. But Aaron, why are you comparing it to that? Because I'm telling you, can you imagine what it sounds like down in hell? When in the midst of hell and there's a battle raging and suddenly there's, what is that sound? What is going on at evening light tabernacle and it pierces through the darkness and fear begins to shudder through the demons? It's not a rebel yell, but it's a yell from the bride of Jesus Christ screaming, freedom, freedom, victory. I'm set free. I've got joy. I've got peace. And a scream goes forth and it shakes the very pits of hell. Why? Not because of the scream, but because they know what comes next. They know that behind that scream is an army marching forward to victory, coming in a full assault, coming to take their heads off. Behind that yell, they know, here they come. Here they come. And we're not tracing this back to Scotland or the Highlands. I can trace it back to the Bible. It's the shout of the king. It's right here. I can trace it back to there's a shout of the king in the camp. Don't go now. Don't attack now. It'll be your life because the shout of the king is coming forth. Freedom. Glory. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They know what's coming next. Their head's coming off. I love freedom in the house of God. It's the shout of the king. Oh, I don't like all that. I, like the lady said, made me have chills. Brother Brown said, you'll freeze to death if you go to heaven. Brother Brown says, brother, you're leaving out the real thing. Listen, you've got the thing laid out in letter, and that's right, but you haven't got the spirit with it to quicken the letter. That's where it's at. So church... That's why I take my stand today with a holy roller, because it's the truth. Sorry, that was the prophet. Didn't mean to disappoint. See, truth is to be defended at all costs. No matter who it offends, no matter who it upsets, 
whether it's friends, family, churches, truth comes first. You got to stand. Brother Brown says, I want to. No, Brother Brown says, on top of Mount Olive come a little white donkey coming, walking down the hill with a group of people fanatically screaming, pulling off palms, leaves, palm leaves of the trees, throwing their clothes in the road, screaming, Hosanna to the Son of David that comes in the name of the Lord. This little mule, his rider was none other than God's anointed Messiah of the hour. See what happens when the anointed Messiah of the hour shows up? Let me tell you again. People fanatically screaming, pulling off palm leaves, throwing their clothes in the road, screaming Hosanna to this. It wasn't a quiet little church mouth service. The king of kings had showed up. It says this little mule, his rider was none other than God's anointed Messiah of the hour. God then, what was he doing? What is that attraction up there on the hill? It's God making history and God fulfilling prophecy. And that's always causing an attraction. It brings all the critics up, the vultures, and the eagles also. They come together to find out what's going on. Some coming for curiosity. Some coming to find fault. Others coming to criticize. So just let me leave this with you before I move on. This is what happens when the anointed Messiah shows up. It says it brings in the vultures and it brings in the eagles also. Some are there out of curiosity. Some are there to criticize and find fault. That's a quote from the message of the hour. And all I ask you is find yourself in that quote. When the screaming and the shouting goes on because the Messiah has showed up, which one are you? Just place yourself. That's all I ask you to do. Why do you say all this? Because somebody's got to stand and hold the line for the moving of the spirit, for the dynamics to go with the mechanics. And I'm willing to do it. We could go through so many different promises, so many different things, but that's one of the attacks against the church today right there, and that's why we hit that. I believe with all my heart, as we begin to turn this towards the end, I believe with all my heart that this battle we're in is worth fighting. What we have is a truth that you can stand on. Listen, we can't be afraid anymore. We can't worry about people's feelings. The truth isn't worried about your feelings. All right, you've got to be willing to stand on it no matter what. It's time that we recognize that this battle is life and death. And we've got to get a grip on the promises of God. Get a grip on them. Revelation 3.11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. If we could hold on to the promises of God the way we hold on to our complexes, and the way we hold on to our grudges, and the way we hold on to our unbelief and our doubts and fears, we'd be the most powerful army walking around right now. Devil wouldn't come in the back door. But we can't hold on tight enough to the promises of God because I have to let go of this complex. Right. I want it, God, but can't you see my hands are full? I want that, Lord. That's for, but, but I got this. If we would hold on to those things, the way we hold on to our ideas, and the way we hold on to the way we want things, and our attitudes, and our bitterness, we'd be all right. We'd already have this battle whooped. Brother Branham said, when something is truth, then hold fast or hold tight. Get a death grip on it, he said, and don't turn it loose and hold fast to that which is good. That's what it means. Get a death grip on it. Don't give up any of your promises this morning. Get a death grip on your healing this morning if that's what you need. Get a death grip on the baptism of the Holy Ghost this morning if that's what you need. Get a death grip on revival. You say, I need a revival in my life. Get a death grip on it and hold on to it and say, Lord, send me a revival. I'm not letting loose until you send this revival to me. 
You say, well, Brother Aaron, God don't do that anymore. Listen, you can't take it from me because I got a death grip on it. You're not taking anything from me because I got a death grip on it. I got the mechanics in one hand. I got the dynamics in another. And I'm going to have both of them because I got a death grip on them this morning. Brother Branham says, oh, we have a word for us at this time. It's hold fast, persevere, don't give up. Put on the whole armor of God. Use every weapon he has given us. Use every gift at your disposal and look ahead with joy because we're going to be crowned by him who is king of kings and lord of lords. Church, we are in the final hours of the final battle and we must go boldly into battle standing on every promise of God. Fear in the battle causes a break in the line. You can't be in this time wondering and, and, and doubting and looking around. you got to be certain because uncertainty and fear will cause the lines to break. If you're not certain, now's the time to get serious. Now is the time to make your calling and election sure. Now is the time to search your soul. Because when you're unsure, when you're unsure of what you're standing on and where you're standing at, then panic will set in when adverse conditions surround you. When you're unsure, you begin to flee when the enemy surrounds you. But when you're certain of God, when you are certain of God, you can stand no matter what happens, even if you have to stand alone like Daniel did or the three Hebrew children. I guess they didn't technically stand alone, but they stood together. Like, or like Daniel did in his day. When you're certain of God, you can stand no matter what comes around you. Listen, I'm telling you, your inheritance is certain. Your healing is certain. Your rapture is certain. The destruction of Satan's kingdom is certain. You can be certain of God this morning. Listen, it's time that we quit going out there going, oh, it's another battle today. I fought a battle yesterday. It's going to be a battle every day. Every day. I think it's time we start going into battle like Jack Churchill did. I don't know if any of y'all ever heard of Jack Churchill, but he was actually a British commando. And in World War II, he was famous for charging into battle. You can actually find pictures of him storming the beaches of Normandy in the midst of fire, just like this. He was famous for going into battle, not unsure, not uncertain, not trying to hide, and duck, but he would march right out in the midst of battle with a Scottish broadsword playing his bagpipes. And he would stop playing the bagpipes long enough to pull the pin and throw a grenade. That guy was ready to fight. That guy was marching straight at machine guns, playing bagpipes with the sword, throwing hand grenades. And I'm telling you, instead of hiding and being timid this morning, it's time you start launching some hand grenades. It's time you start marching toward the enemy saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm delivered. I'm going to march forward. When that one blows up, I get attacked over here. They shall be there and their offspring with them. Boom, take that. Oh, glory to God. I will be kept in perfect peace. Get away from here, depression. Boom, launch some hand grenades this morning. March sure. March March true. Quit coming out half-hearted. You got the greatest weapon in the world. We're not marching out with bagpipes and swords. We got an atomic bomb. We're marching under the banner of onward Christian soldier. Marching as to war. March out this morning. Launch some rockets. Launch some grenades. Make the enemy uncomfortable this morning. For far too long, the enemy's been comfortable with some of us. Make him uncomfortable this morning. Launch some grenades this morning. Blow him off your ground this morning. He wasn't afraid to march out and fight. He was standing firm and launching grenades. That's my motto. I'm going to stand firm and launch grenades. We have good ground. Good ground is essential for fighting this battle. That's exactly what the, why the final assault is directed at you. is because you're standing on the high ground. 
Ephesians 2, 6, and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, the importance of good ground has been known in the military for centuries, in particularly the high ground. High ground is what you want to hold. He who holds the high ground holds the advantage over his adversary. And Adam lost that position. He lost that position of the high ground, but it was restored to us at Calvary, and it was made clear to us through the message of the hour where our position was. And now the devil is after the high ground once again with all his forces. But I'm crying out to you today and I'm saying, hold the ground. Hold the line. Don't give up an inch. Don't back up any. Throw another grenade. Fight with everything you got. Our ground is the best ground. Our general is the best general. You can be certain. Just hold on this morning. Just hold on this morning. Don't sell out victory when it's just right around the corner. It's fitting to be here. We're in the closing moments of the battle. Just hold on a little bit longer. Hold for your healing today. Hold for your deliverance today. Hold for your joy. Hold for your family. Hold for your friends. Hold for everything you can think of this morning. If it's in the land, it's yours. And it's up to you to defend it. It's your job. Stand there today and defend it. It's all of our land. There's no better ground to defend. What are we fighting for? Your rapture. Your joy. Your children. You say, I need healing today. Just hold the line. I need healing today. Just hold the line. By his stripes, I'm healed. It's a good ground to stand on. Don't quit. It'll come to pass. Don't back off of it. Despite your symptoms, hold the ground. No matter how long you've held it, hold the ground. Don't move off of it. Brother Branham tells the story of the two sisters that were prayed for in the meeting. And it's weeks and weeks later. And she gets up and she begins to eat something. She said, Brother Branham says, I guess five weeks or more. I forget exactly what it was, but she was doing the dishes. She thought, what's this? Because something real strange feeling came over her. And she said, I felt blessed. And she began to eat a little bit. And she ate a little bit more. And before long, he said she had a gastronomical jubilee because she held on. He said the healing angel was coming through. What if he's coming through your neighborhood this morning? Is he going to find you holding the line, standing there on the word of truth? She got so excited, she ran down to her neighbor's house who had the gorder on her throat. Said she felt so good, she, she wanted to share it with somebody. And so she got down to the house and she said she, she never heard so much shouting and going on in all her life. She thought, well, what's wrong? She runs in and says, and I never realized this before, but the name of the lady. Says, Lydia, what's the matter? She said, oh, Bertha, I want to tell you, I just got up. I was laying there. We've been awake for a little while. I felt a real strange feeling. We even shook the sheets on the bed. We can't find that lump. It's gone. Now what happened? The angel of God who had pronounced that blessing was passing through the neighborhood confirming it. You see, what if they would have given up, he says. Don't give up. Believe it. Stay with it. God will bring it to pass. Just don't worry. Full of faith. Keep believing. If you're holding on for healing, hold the line this morning. You're going to get your healing. The angel of God is on his way. In the face of cancer this morning, hold the line. The Brother Branham says, you on the outside tonight, many of you are sick. Maybe you're real servants of Christ. You did what was right, the best of your knowledge, but a cancer crossed your path. Tumor, blindness, deafness, crippled, something else crossed your path in the line of duty. Then it's time to call a conference. Yeah. It's time to do something about it. Moses goes over behind a rock and he stayed there until he got marching orders. What are you going to do? Fall back on Pharaoh? He said, speak to the children of Israel and go forward. That's God's army always marching forward. There's no retreat in it at all. No retreat in God's army. He doesn't have such. We go forward. Amen. Hold the line. <laughs> we cannot retreat. 
We have to go forward even when there's no more, nowhere it looks like we can go. Listen, my God still rolls stones. We're in the Easter season. He rolled that stone away. He still rolls stones today. You say, I'm trapped in here. God still rolls stones. There's no way out of this situation, Brother Michael. He still rolls stones. He'll still open a way up for you. But what about when it seems like I got nothing left to fight with? I got nothing left, it seems. Look, all it takes is one scripture. You can stand on one scripture, and yet we've got an entire word open up to us that we can stand on. Martyrs stood. Martyrs stood with a closed book. Many of them stood there looking at it as through, a, through a glass darkly, and yet they stood giving their life. They wouldn't back down. They wouldn't move. It doesn't matter the situation. You keep fighting. I know I've thrown a lot of history things at you today. That's something I enjoy, and I read a lot about. I'm going to give you another one here as we're bringing this down. There's a group of soldiers in the world in the Civil War known as the Louisiana Tigers because they were from Louisiana and they were so fierce that that's where the nickname came from, the Louisiana Tigers. They said they often had to keep them in battle because if they didn't have them fighting somebody else, they'd fight each other. I've met those people. <laughs> Louisiana has not changed. Uh, so they were extremely fierce. And they're at the second battle of Bull Run. They were engaged in a heavy battle with the Union soldiers. And they were up on, uh, and they were building a, a railroad through the area and it had been built up real high to keep it above the lowlands. And so it was built with rocks. And the Louisiana Tigers were on one side of it and they had the high ground. And they were firing down on the Union soldiers, but the Union soldiers wouldn't quit. I tell you, it's amazing as you research and read a lot about the Civil War, there wasn't no such thing as one side being braver than the other. Them, them people was just men. Them men was different. They was so brave and it was amazing, but the Union just kept coming, kept coming, and they kept driving them back, kept driving them back until they realized, we ain't got no more ammunition. We're out of ammunition. We can't give up this spot. We can't be driven back. So they went searching amongst the dead and wounded, trying to find all their ammunition. And it says, after, breaking, after successfully breaking up three Union assaults, the Tigers found themselves short of ammunition. Two men of the 9th Louisiana were dispatched to the rear for more, but a fourth Union attack was mounted before they returned. I can't stand up and fight no more, Brother Aaron. You better, because here they come. You better, because here it comes. A fourth Union attack was underway. The ensuing clash was the ugliest fight of any, claimed Sergeant Stevens. Groping frantically for ammunition among the dead and wounded, the Louisianians were barely able to beat off the determined Yankees who threw themselves up to the very muzzle of the Tigers' muskets. Satan's coming. He's throwing everything he's got at you. He's right in your face. It's basically hand-to-hand -hand combat. You're breathing the smell of his foul breath every day as you fight. When the Tigers fired their last round, the flags of the opposing regiments were flapping together. Church, this ain't some battle way out yonder. It's coming to your door. He's knocking on your door this morning. Is the token applied? You ready to fight? Do you have what it takes to stand? The flags were flapping together. In desperation, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Nolan. I'm going to shout the same thing this morning. Lieutenant Colonel Michael Nolan shouted for the men, make use of the rocks. Amen. He said, make use of the rocks. I think somebody, he probably got that from the Bible where David decided he'd make use of the rocks. 
He said, men, make use of the rocks. I'm telling you this morning, pick something up. They're all in here. Those stones have been laying here. They're waiting on somebody to pick it up. There's a rock. There's a rock. There's a rock of my salvation. There's a rock of healing. There's a rock of deliverance. The enemy's coming. Make use of the rocks this morning. Why don't you pick one up and see what kind of damage that that rock will do? He says, make use of the rocks. Sensing that the rebels were at the end of their rope, the Yankees came charging up the base of the embankment. The devil says, they're at the end of the rope. They got nothing left. They got nothing left. And he sends everything he's got. And I say, make use of the rocks today, church. Pick them up. They're all around you. The promises of God are everywhere. You got plenty to fight with. Make use of the rocks this morning. Pick it up. It says, as they came up, charging the base of the embankment, suddenly fist-sized and melon-sized stones arched out of the smoke that hung over the men and rained down upon them. Such a flying of rocks as never seen before. Woo, I think there should be a flying of rocks in the house of God this morning. Such a flying of rocks as never seen before. Let it rain down on the devil. Let it pour out on the enemy. It says many of the men were killed and battered and bruised because of the flying of the rocks. I hope this morning that there's devils running and surrendering everywhere, battered and bruised and killed because somebody's willing to pick up the rocks this morning and use them in your defense. Hallelujah. Remember this morning, the battle is for their destruction. It's not for your destruction. You are the end of the line. You cannot retreat. You must hold the line. <clears throat> what happens if I don't hold? What happens if I give in? You lose your children. You give up on your marriage. Lose your healing. Lose your joy. Lose everything. You give in to sickness. You begin to say, all things are as they were from the beginning. The enemy sweeps through the line, and nothing but death, dying, and destruction follows. you got to hold the line. There's no giving up this morning. I'm not giving a single inch. Is there anybody this morning that will say, I'm not giving a single inch? I'm going to hold the line this morning no matter what. I'm closing with this. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I've been in this stuff for several weeks reading about it. Can't talk about something like this without talking about Stonewall Jackson. I love that story. I'll never forget taking my son Jackson there and pointing out Stonewall Jackson. He said, that's me. I like my hat. <laughs> but at Manassas, and this is my closing, closing. You can be ready to come, musicians. The army was in disarray. The Confederates were being defeated, defeated under the full offensive onslaught of the Union Army. Under heavy fire for several continuous hours, Jackson received a wound, breaking the middle finger on his left hand. About midday between the hand and the knuckle, the ball passing on the side next to the index finger. The troops of South Carolina, under the command of Bernard Elliott B. Jr., had been overwhelmed, and he rode up to Jackson in despair. Church, there's people retreating. There's people overwhelmed. That don't make them bad people. They need to see somebody stand. Children of Israel had no courage until they saw David stand. And those people that moments before had seemed cowards were fighting a massive battle destroying the Philistines. Don't give up on people. They need to see somebody stand. 
It says the army of South Carolina was overwhelmed and he rushed to Stonewall Jackson and he began to plead. And he said, we're, we're being overwhelmed. We're being run over. Stonewall Jackson just looks at him and said, then we'll give him the bayonet. I'm being overwhelmed this morning. I'm being overrun. Give him the bayonet. Pull your sword. Put it on the end of your rifle. Hold it in your hand. Whatever you got to do, but give the enemy the bayonet this morning. He says, we'll give him the bayonet. He rides back to his command and B exhorts his own troops to reform and shouts, There's Jackson standing like a stone wall. Let us determine to die here and we will conquer. Just like Samson, when he got to the point he was willing to die, that's when the conquering happened. He said, Let us determine, just like Jackson standing there like a stone wall, let us determine we'll die here, but we're not moving. I may die here, but I'm not moving off this word. I will stand right here. I will hold the line. And he says, rally behind the Virginians. Brother Ron, this morning we're rallying behind you. We see you standing there like a stone wall in the face of cancer, unafraid, not moving, standing toe-to-toe with the enemy. Rally behind the Virginians is what he said. Rally behind the Virginians. Be somebody today. That you others can look to in the midst of the battle, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of chaos, when they're fleeing and they're running and they don't know, be somebody standing there saying, rally on me. Rally right here, men. Here's where we'll hold the line. This is good ground. This is solid ground. We'll take our stand right here. I know there's a lot of them, but I'll stand right here. There stands Joe Adams. He's standing for the truth. There stands Daryl Baxter. There stands Timothy Pruitt. There stands Tim Pruitt, battle scarred, but still standing there holding the word. Rally behind him. There stands Ron Spencer, victorious many times and soon to be victorious over cancer. Rally behind him. Faith be, be somebody that others can rally behind. If that's not good enough, I got one more you can rally behind. Oh, in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, there stands one like unto the Son of Man. He hasn't left, but there he stands with his sword drawn. And he says, rally behind me, men. Rally behind me, and we shall prevail. Hold the line. He's still standing for you. He's still in the midst of the candlesticks. He's never left us. Rally today and hold the line. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to hold the line. Lord, no matter what's going on around us, Lord, despite the circumstances, may we remember there's more with us than against us. May we stand on the word you've given us today and hold the line, Lord. Lord, thank you for generals. Thank you for men of God that have stood. Thank you for those who won't back down, who won't give an inch, who stand for truth when it costs them friends, when it costs family, when it costs hardship. They say, I'll stand right here. Lord, may I be one like that. Lord, Brother Branham talked about there'll come a time where we'll shake hands with all the battle-scarred veterans and tears will run down our face. We'll talk about the battles and you'll come out and you'll wipe the tears away. Oh, it's going to be worth it all. He says, we'll stack the Bibles and we'll stack the muskets and the weapons. We'll lay them all down then. But Lord, in order for us to experience that, help us hold today. In the greatest onslaught the world has ever seen. We're not backing down, Lord, by your grace. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We appreciate you, Lord. Thank you for speaking today, Lord. Thank you for your love, Lord, and your care and your wings that are guiding us, Lord, through this time. Watch over and keep us. Lord, as we stand for your word and fight this final battle, 
Lord, I pray you'll drive back this plague that's upon our world and allow us to once again gather together. Lord, we're trusting in you, looking forward to the day we can gather once again. But more than that, Lord, I'm looking forward to gathering with all these people over on that side, Father, and to hear you say, well done. Help me stand, Father. Help me be true, Father. Lord, may I not get swayed and turned and caught up in things and the ideas of man, but Lord, help me fight for truth. Help me stand. Help us all, I pray, Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. Hold the line this morning, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, keep me true.
right here in front of you. Just pick it up today. Oh, in times of need, thank you. that have come in since our brother Aaron started preaching. We just wanted to uh, bring before the Lord. There's a sister Rain Davison that uh, sent a message that I have a severe stomach problem. I haven't been able to eat anything but crackers for seven days now. Just having a really severe pain in her stomach. The doctors aren't seeing patients due to the virus. She just asked that we would remember her. Also, Sister Esther Mason is having some sort of an allergic reaction with some swelling in her face and her throat. Ask that we would remember her in prayer this morning. Amen. Not only for that healing touch, but amen, any anxiety that may come with just not being able to breathe, that the Lord would just touch her at this time. Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer. Amen. Standing up for these different ones, as we heard our brother Aaron say, lifting them together as soldiers of the cross. Father, we come to you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful word that we heard this morning, Father. Lord, words of life, Lord, that we could stand in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm. Lord, not backing down, not turning away, picking up what we have around us, Father. Lord, and using it to fight. Fighting an enemy that we heard this morning is nuts. Lord, as we stand for you, and we stand for truth, Lord. Lord, we also stand for these that have asked that we remember them in prayer, Lord. The sister rain, Lord, that you would touch her stomach, Father. Lord, that she may have a complete healing, Lord. And our sister Esther, Lord, as she's, Lord, needing a touch from this reaction that she's having, Father. Lord, heal her body, Lord. Calm her nerves, Father. Lord, come on the scene and bring that peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, we ask for these needs, Lord, and the many other requests, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord. You've given us the power, not only the power, but the authority to stand up and ask anything in your name. And Lord, we do that this morning for these ones. We love you, Father. We thank you for this service that we've had, Lord. We thank you for speaking, Lord. Lord, for Lord, the many times that we've just been in awe of the great things that you're doing in the midst of this battle, Lord. In the midst of this storm, when so many are worried and wondering, Father, we turn to you, Lord, and we see the wonderful things that you're doing, restoring families, Lord, healing lives, Lord. Lord, bringing the lost back to you, Lord. Lord, we think of all that's happening, all we could be worried about, but Lord, we just stand in awe of the greatness of your name, the greatness of your power and majesty, and we want to tell you we love you, Father. 
Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Be with us this week, no matter where we may go, no matter what storms may rise. Help us to stand fast, Lord. Anchored in you, Father. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Hallelujah. Let's sing that before we go. Upon life's boundless oceans where mighty billows roll. Amen. I've anchored in the rock of ages. Amen. 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 Upon life's boundless ocean where mighty billows roll. I fix my hope in Jesus, blessed anchor of my soul. As trials assail me, storms are gathering gold. I rest upon his mercy. I trust him. Bye.